It's the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Thanks for being here with us. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETF's Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi again, Alan. Hi, everyone. Joining us this week from the Reason Foundation in Washington is Mark Scribner, Senior Transportation Policy Analyst at the Foundation. Thanks, Mark. Great to have you here. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, Great having you. For listeners who may not be up on the Reason Foundation, maybe you can start out with a little bit of background for us. Yeah, so the Reason Foundation, it's, it's been around since the, since the 1970s, and um, it, it, does, it has two major um, divisions. One is, is the magazine, Reason Magazine, which the foundation is named after, but it also has a, uh, a public policy think tank, and that's what the, the founder of the foundation, Bob Poole, um, he is also the uh, director of transportation policy there. So he has had a, a long um, uh, career in transportation policy going back uh, several decades now. And um, he's been a, a forward-looking thinker on things like uh, tolling, uh, popularizing the concept of, of HOT lanes, um, trying to uh, slowly bring us into the, the 21st century. Um, so I, I, I joined Reason in, in uh, April of this year. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to be there and uh, excited to uh, keep uh, uh, Reason's uh, mission moving forward on, on bringing us slowly into the 21st century. Yikes, joining in April. You've never seen The Office, have you? <laughs> I, I have not. I have not, actually. <laughs> Well, you've written no a- comment on that. I mean, it must be, uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, the reason we have you here is you've written a policy brief published this week, headlined "10 Best Practices for State Automated Vehicle Policy," and you call the recommendations "No Regrets Policies That States Can Undertake with Minimal Risk to Either to for Automated Vehicle Development or the Public Interest." Give us a, a little overview here of, of uh, what the article contains. Well, the, uh, like the, the title says, there are 10 recommendations in there, um, but that's about a third of the report. The other two thirds, there's about a third where I spent talking about um, what is an automated vehicle, uh, because that's still confusing a lot of policymakers. Um, at, at extremely confusing, if I may. Uh, well, it, I think it's ex- extremely confusing to everybody, unfortunately. Um, but and go ahead. I, I think that's right, Alan. And you know, right now, for better or for worse, we have SAE International's recommended practice J thirty sixteen, um, and I spend about ten pages explaining what that means and why it should matter to policymakers. I'm hopeful that the efforts that are underway at, at groups like PAVE or AAA to actually come up with consumer-friendly language um, bear fruit in the near term. So, so hopefully we don't have to spend 10 pages uh, explaining what we mean uh, by the various levels of automation. Um, but I think you know having that common vocabulary, and that's the, the first recommendation I make for, for state policymakers is adopt a standard vocabulary. I think that's critically important because if we're not speaking the same language, 
we're just going to be talking past each other, and that does not uh, bode well for for policymaking on, on these issues. Um, but then the other the other third of the paper. Could we oh, pause sorry, just a, could we pause just a second on that? Because to me that that is so darn important as it is to you. You you put it out there in front. I mean. How did we get to this point? How did we call them levels in the first place? I mean, because because nobody knew, nobody could use proper words in the English language, we decided to pick out levels. I mean, color. I mean, um, you know, it 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 really it, there there there's there's no context to be put in that. Except the only context may be that that there's a possible evolution through this thing, which there probably isn't even that associated with this technology. There probably, if you're doing, if you're going out for one of the things, you better be going down one road. If you're going out for another one, you're probably going down another road. <laughs> I hate to use the, the road cliche. It, it, this deserves a couple more minutes of our time, I think. And I, I think you're getting at something there, Alan, where I, I think that that is a, a valid criticism. The, the fact that you, we have the, you know, we have the one through five driving automation systems and then three through five automated driving systems. I think that that is, that has been a source of confusion. Um, Cause we're really talking about when we're, when we're talking about lower levels of automation and higher levels of automation, we're talking about really different things. Um, so I think that the, the you know, and, and probably different objectives too, because, you know, absolutely su suggest that in fact, you know, the more automation we have, the safer we're going to be. That may not necessarily in fact be true. I mean, you can get a heck of a lot of safety, I, I argue with by, properly putting the human in a loop and and uh and and but but you can't get much mobility for those who can't who don't have the wherewithals to be in that loop and so if you're trying to provide mobility to those who don't have the wherewithals in that loop that that's that's a to me they're they're so fundamentally different that it's it's kind of a shame and, and people confuse them one way or another. They want to do something for one and they end up trying to talk to me here, Mark. Yeah. And I, I think that's absolutely right. And this, this problem has been, you know, in the, in the aviation context, when we're talking about autopilot, this has been a huge debate for decades now. And we're just now starting to get there with, with, with automobiles, with ground vehicles, and I think that that's part of the problem is that we're still in a relatively early stage. Oh, we are. It's we're at zero still. I mean, we we haven't even really started yet. As <laughs> well, yeah. you mentioned autopilot, uh, and you can talk uh, cruise control too. Means different things in different vehicles. Do we need automakers on board and in, in standardizing terminology too? Yeah, a absolutely. I think that the, the, the AAA report where they, they came up with all the, you know, the dozens of different terms used for adaptive cruise control and things. I mean, that's a problem. I mean, we, we should standardize terminology in both the government context and in the, uh, the commercial context. And I think what, what Alan was, was, was speaking to, some of the things like where we're talking about, you know, like the federal government has confused this. Like one of NHTSA's guidance documents on this improperly was referring to 
vehicles rather than the, the automation system, which they then had to correct. So this is confusing the regulators or the people who were expecting to someday regulate this technology. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're in a difficult situation right now because we're, we really have the dominant standard is J3016. Um, but I hope that we can, we can come to some, some clearer, more, more uh, especially consumer-friendly technology, just so we can have these, these conversations that we're, we're going to need to have over the coming years, rather than, like I said, going back and writing 10 pages trying to explain what J3016 should mean to people. Well, there is much more in, in the report that, that you came out with. Why don't you touch on some of the other areas? Yeah, I don't want to necessarily go through all 10, but I, I think like that, like I said, the, I think the number one thing is adopt the standard vocabulary. Um, and then um, I think respecting the competencies at various levels of government is also very important. We've, we've heard a lot in recent years coming out of state departments of transportation, state legislators, um, and some states have gotten further than others. California has, has, has gone quite far in, in the regulation of this technology. And I think the problem is, is that, you know, state DMVs are not well equipped to do vehicle safety and performance regulations. Trying, expecting to turn every state DMV into a mini NHTSA, I think is a, is a recipe for disaster. Um, and that unfortunately is where we're seeing some states try to go. They're trying to do too much. But it's not entirely their fault um, because the federal government hasn't taken action on a lot of these things that it, it, it ought to. Um, and I'll, that gets to, you know, that's another thing. I think we're in a very unsatisfying stage right now because things like uh, uh, technical standards and standardized test procedures, the kinds of things that the federal government, that NHTSA would want to be able to write regulations that incorporate those standards and test procedures, they don't exist yet. Um, so we're at this, you know, telling a, a politician or a regulator that we don't have the information to do a lot of the stuff that they would like to be able to do just isn't very satisfying to them. And that's kind of where we are right now. We're kind of in this, in this limbo stage between the, the published technical standards and, and, and regulation, and, and, and no one really likes it um, from the policy setting. But my recommendation is, you know, states and, and local governments shouldn't try to reinvent the wheel. They have experience in various aspects of motor vehicle regulation, and they should stick to those. Um, you know, as unsatisfying as that may sound to a state legislator who wants to have a, a quote unquote vision test for uh, an autonomous vehicle, or whatever we're calling them, um, uh, you know, that's just not something that your 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 state DMV is is very equipped to do. So that's that's a that's a recommendation that I think is very important. And then I, I think another I, I, one. I think if I if I oh, go ahead a little bit on that one, I think that that's exceedingly important. Uh, the, the realization that that one doesn't even know what tests to run necessarily. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so, <clears throat> because we're still at zero. Okay. We, we don't, we may not have all enough of the corner cases. We may not have enough of the performance things. And of course, the fundamental fear with that is, is, is if, if you, if you, uh, if you're too risk averse on this thing, then you end up not getting anything out of it. Okay. Uh, stay home. Okay. I mean, you want to be safe, stay home. Hope 
hopefully your house won't be get hit by a meteorite or there won't be a fire outside to engulf it or you know or whatever or the other other sorts of things but you know stay home which is which is not, just not what we're trying to achieve. We're trying to achieve mobility for individuals. Why? Because it improves our quality of life without unnecessarily taking risks, okay? So one of the issues that, that I sort of, on, on the safety piece, does, does one look for the regulation? In other words, if I'm a manufacturer, am I really looking for the regulations to be established by NHTSA or somebody else? And so that I know which box that I need to check. When I, once I check all those boxes, then I can go out and sell it and do whatever I need to be, be in business. And then if something bad happens, I'll say, hey, Nitsa, you said I could do it because I checked all your boxes. You pick up the tab. Is, is that where the regulation should go or, you know, who who ends up being responsible? I know that one can set gui gui guidelines associated with these things, but you know, um, wh what what would one like to get to on this safety business? Yeah, and and liability is a, is an important issue and one that I I purposefully did not address in this report um, because I don't know what. I don't think anyone knows what the right answer there is yet. Now, and I certainly don't. So, I mean, I'm not even suggesting I do. Okay. Now, but, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 a state legislature, which, you know, the states have responsibility for, for liability determination, insurance requirements, um, things of that nature, um, they could set a liability rule um, to, that's designed to specifically address these, these issues. However, they could also, I mean, liability, like there's, this is, you know, this is judge-made law. Uh, yeah, right, uh, right, 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 of know, course, yes. Cases. So yeah. we've got, you know, letting the law develop through organically, um, that might be the way to go. And we've seen in other products liability um, circumstances, the products liability law is happy to evolve around new products. Now, we may not like the, the outcome that courts arrive at, and maybe then that's when you, a, a legislature may take corrective uh, action. But I don't think we're, we're there yet. But, but, you're, but it's all, you're right, it's already raising practical issues. I mean, with the, you know, the so-called level three kind of highway pilot style ADSs, I mean, those aren't on the market because according to the, the developers, they, they, don't, they don't trust releasing that, out, that tech out in the wild um, to people uh, where, you know, I think, you know. Yeah, and, because and that, if, some, if something, if things go south on that thing, who's responsible? And if I'm, you know, if I'm whatever doing and this thing's working and it goes south, then I'm going to say, hey, yo, it's you guys. And are they willing to then stand up and say, yes, it, it was us. Uh, we're picking up the tab. I, uh, right. and, it, and it may be why we may never see this technology, higher levels of automation beyond the, the kind of level two stuff that's, that's, that's out there right now. We may never see that sold to individual consumers. Uh, now, I, I don't think that uh, that necessarily forecloses a market for personal vehicles. But I think with all the data that's going to be generated in this and all the, the heightened foreseeability that these companies will have, knowing how that technology can be misused or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, 
they're going to want to have, if they do let it out in a personal vehicle concept, it would, it may be through, um, it may be through lease agreements with very strict terms um, where they can see exactly how you are, you're, you're, you know, you're using that vehicle that you're maintaining it adequately that, you know, your sensors aren't, aren't malfunctioning or blocked by debris, some things like that. So that may be the future. It may not be, you go uh, plop down your credit card at a dealer and drive off with something you just purchased, uh, you may be- What are um, your credit limits, Mark? Wait, you mean you, you mean you can go down there with your credit card? Oh my goodness, man. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> Not my credit card. <laughs> no, but I, I, get what you, I get what you're saying, that it's a whole different ball game there as to who's maintaining, who's, who's really responsible. And, uh, you know, of course I maintain all my vehicles according to the specs of what they, I mean, of course I, I mean, uh, yeah. Mark, th this week, the, the self-drive act uh, got another push in, in Congress. Any thoughts about that? Is that the kind of thing you you're looking for? Well, I, the, the self-drive act, when it was, when it was introduced uh, previously, I, I mean, I thought it was a good, first start, but I mean, th this, the, the reintroduction this week, I, I don't think it has any, it has no chance of going anywhere. It was sort of panned by the, the, the people you, you need the support of. And somehow, even though this was just a messaging bill and everyone kind of knew it, um, they managed to get the AFL-CIO off the sidelines and come out opposed to it. So, you know, and uh, I, you know, I think it was a mistake to, to, to introduce this, but so Congress uh, is likely going to have to hit the reset button next Congress. And um, I hope if they do that, they start thinking about what are the sort of the core issues where we, we know there, we have enough information to actually develop policy, which isn't on that much and focus on those um, rather than try to dream, uh, dream up how these, these cars are going to be used 20 years from now if they if they're out there and ubiquitous and a lot of the kind of stuff that seems to occupy a lot of the policy debate uh, you know but those are areas where we have very little hard information with respect to that that idea i mean if we look at the other modes of transportation from their inception to their you know beginning in the market and so on and 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 then where legislation came in, you know, the, the, the regulations, the legislation, the, overs the public oversight always seemed to take a while or did take a while before it jumped in there in any of these things. Do I, do I have the right concept on that? I mean, even, even with railroads or even with, uh, with electric traction, with uh, airplanes, with whatever. I mean, the, the, uh, the Civil Aeronautics Act or whatever it was called, it was in like 1929 or something like that. You know, Wright Brothers or 1903. I, I mean, I, you know, I think, uh, you know, I sort of a, a, a equate the DARPA challenges 2005 to Wright Brothers 1903 type of thing as a start of a of a the real start not that you know people hadn't looked at it before people looked at flight a long time before the Wright Brothers um, 
uh, thoughts on your end on that one? And we still way too early, I guess, is my question. I, I think that's right. I mean, and you go back in the early history of aviation, you had a lot of people saying we're not going to have passenger airlines because they were falling out of the sky. All of course the time. they were. And that, and, <laughs> they, know, barely, like, they barely, they you barely know, went up in the sky, right? They, yeah, <laughs> right. They didn't spend a lot of time in the air, which is where you want. <laughs> um, but the, um, I think the, yeah. And, and, but they did get safer and they got safer yeah. well before we had the kind of comprehensive safety regulations that now exist. The same is true for automobiles. We've only had comprehensive federal auto safety regulation for 50 years. Yeah. And before, before NHTSA, um, you know, you can, I think there, there's, there's an argument to be made that NHTSA did improve safety by focusing automakers on, on making safer cars, but, but fatalities and crashes were falling before NHTSA. Um, uh, existed so yeah well Ralph Nader came in there and stirred the pot a little bit at the beginning of that too you know on safety well what he his yeah, advocacy yeah. it's what resulted in the creation of yeah of right I mean he was yeah he's we could call it in Nader instead of Nitsa <laughs> uh, yeah well that's a 55 so we love we love Ralph yeah. <laughs> he's been on with us he's been on with he's us been on so, with us yeah so um, so Mark let me let me ask you this what is at the heart of uh, what you would like to see accomplished. It seems like you, you want states to more or less be out of the way. You want the innovation to take place, companies to be able to move ahead. But at the same time, there needs to be some kind of regulation. I, I think there's, we're going to have regulation, you know, whether I, I would prefer that or not, I don't think is, you know, that's my personal opinions on, on how to dream up the best, uh, the best uh, government regime just aren't, aren't going to come to pass. So I think we're, we're somewhat, we're, we're stuck with the, with the system we have. Um, that said, I think we can do things intelligently and, and with, with data and information and act when that data and information comes in. Um, but we, you know, I think what's scary for a lot of policymakers is that we don't have that information, but they want to act. Um, so trying to tell them that, you know, maybe it's, it's wait and see stage right now. Um, like I said, it's, 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 it's often an unsatisfying answer, but I think that that's the best approach at this stage. Um, until we have more information to competently regulate this, I think, by and large, we, we shouldn't be regulating it um, in, in any sort of new ways. Um, I think we have, you know, I think compliance, based compliance with, with existing federal motor vehicle safety standards is, you know, that's, that's going to happen. We still have rules of the road that these things have to abide by. Focus on that. Focus on, on modernizing those, those authorities. Um, so that we can take a more tailored approach to these vehicles in the future. Um, but we're, we're just, I, I just don't think we're at the, the phase yet where we can start engaging in sort of, you know, rulemaking after rulemaking on, on technical matters. Because, um, you know, like, like we talked about, the, the technical standards to have these, that you need to have these kinds of discussions don't exist in, in, in most, most places. So that's, that's, we need that first. We really need technical standards, standardized test procedures, and that's gonna come out of the consensus standards bodies like, like SAE and IEEE and, and, and folks like that. Um, so, and, and a lot of these developers to their credit are, are on those committees, they're working on those standards, um, but we, we really want those, those private standards first before we start really 
getting, you know, uh, getting into this uh, with policymaking. I, I want to jump on your moderni modernizing the rules of the road, because I, I think that that is, that is a really important thing to do. Uh, the, the rules of the road were developed because humans were in the loop following or adhering as well or as poorly as they can to those rules of the road. So I like to argue, at least to my students, to say that we've made some of these rules such that we're assuming that because humans are following them, uh, they might not do it quite so well all the time, okay? Uh, they'll give you nine miles an hour over the speed limit. The speed limit is not a speed limit. It's, I, or at least I don't think it is. I don't think any police officer, any jurisdiction really thinks, even though they might have signs, we strictly you go to a speed limit. I mean, that's just not the way, or maybe it is, or maybe it isn't, but there's, there's a gray area in that. Once we start dealing with algorithms doing this, as opposed to people doing it, man, when we write those things, when we write the code, Beam. I mean, we have that uh, gazillion decimal places. Boom. We nail it. You tell us, you, you, when we write that, you say, we can't do this. Boom. You know, there's a cap. Those two don't mix well. So in some sense, the rules of the road, I think, should, should really reflect who are the rules of the road targeting they're targeting people who are going to execute the functions, the, the, the working elements of it, then they're one thing. If they're going to, going to be algorithms, they really do need to be something else. Because if we then say, oh, no, yep, it is 55, boom, you know, everybody. I mean, we, that, that is not a good situation to put out there. Why? Because it's not good for safety. It's not good for mobility. It's uh, it might be good for the environment, maybe uh, you know, but um, maybe not. And 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 so, you know, how do we address that sucker? And then the, sort of the the sort of part of that that sort of ends up getting me thinking that, you know, these things are really a new mode. They are, they probably, they certainly are as different from an automobile as a motorcycle is different from an automobile. They may be as different from an automobile as a pipeline is different from an automobile. Uh, maybe not so much pipeline infrastructure. But, you know, besides using the surface road, the, the surface infrastructure, pretty much the rules and the paint that's on there and a couple of signs, you know, the rest of it is, is different. And to put asterisks on all the things that we put on that have to that have to do with something that we're going to do this, as opposed to an algorithm coming up, d d d d d d d, probably requires a different mindset, different things, and asterisks on those old rules. What do you talk to me here? I think that that raises a, a, a very interesting point because I think right now it may make sense to exempt. Um, these vehicles from certain existing rules. That's, right. I mean, that's easy. Yeah. But like you said, having an asterisk after everything is not how you should be going about this. So I, I, I think fundamentally the rules need to be re rewritten uh, at some point in the future to take into account both types of, of road users if they're driving a conventional vehicle or if they're, if they're 
riding in in one of these or if it's if, if it's if it uh, if there's no occupants and that's you know and that gets yeah, the other yeah, thing how yeah, yeah, should yeah. we be treating something like neuro these 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 little lightweight vehicles that don't have occupants should they be subject to the um crash worthiness requirements at NHTSA that are designed to protect the occupants and i would say no i mean obviously we shouldn't be weighing down these vehicles more to make them more deadly to pedestrians to protect a non-existent occupant. Um, uh, yeah, especially, you know, part of that makes sure that the steering column doesn't go through your chest. In the state codes, they reference, you know, so NHTSA has these, these they're supposed to be minimum performance regulations. Yeah. The states often just say, you need to have this. And they kind of say, here's an element from NHTSA's Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standards, you got to require this. So yeah. there are things like we shouldn't have requirements for steering columns, which exist all over the country in state motor vehicle yeah. code, um, and all sorts of devices that don't really apply to these 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 future settings. Rearview mirror, rearview mirror. Now that we have uh, now that we have <laughs> yeah, camera, exactly. I mean we got rearview. I mean, with a bit of but kidding me? I got big screen. <laughs> That's why I think, damn it, let's just, you know, create a new entity, bring in new people who have the expertise, who aren't, who don't have that, that bad, I don't want to call it bad, knowledge is good, I don't want to call it bad, you take it edit that out <laughs> Fred <laughs> but um, you just did. Yeah, yeah, I just did uh, but but really uh, you know it's as you said it doing it with asterisks is, it's not that's not a long-term solution I mean you can, you can make the argument for the for the short term yeah. but you've got to say it okay we're doing this until we can figure out to do a, a more permanent fix and and maybe that requires a new new entity maybe NHTSA can figure this out. I'm actually on some of the, the, the series 200 or the 200 series FMBSS uh, occupant protection stuff. That seems to be a priority right now at the agency. And we'll see when the final rule comes out if they actually do a good job. But, um, you know, we, we also we're, we're, we're going to be waiting, you know, eight, 10 years for, for each of these things to go through. That's that's a long time. And if they mess it up, they got to go go back and probably spend just as much time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, something the, the current the status quo regulatory <laughs> environment is not built. And in the interim, Silicon Valley is going nuts because they're operating at least at 10, if not 100x speed. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Well, we want to encourage people to go to reason.org to get more info on, on, on Mark's writing and, and everything else that's there. We'll be back with more. But first, we want to remind you about our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. To get more info, head to MOTOETF.com. On the website, look for the white paper titled The Smart Transportation Revolution. It's under a tab called Insights and News. You can find a lot of information there to help you make informed decisions. ETFs, as you may know, can be a smart way to spread your risk in investing and focus on a particular category. The site, once again, is MOTOETF.com. Alan, in the latest Smart Driving Car newsletter, you highlight a proposal for a new UN regulation pertaining to automated lane keeping systems. 
Yeah, I, I think this is an effort, and, and I thank uh, Russ Shields for pointing it out to me. I missed it when it came out, but uh, they're they're working hard trying to do a UN regulation that, that focuses on um, the beginnings of so-called level three. It it really is is limited to um, to uh, I think uh, 60 kilometers per hour type of thing. It is a it is sort of a traffic jam assist kind of thing, but it tries to deal with the very simple uh, fundamental aspect of allowing the individual to not be paying attention when this system is on, which is sort of fundamental to that just that piece of it part of the of the trip while you're in a congestion area going slowly uh ability to turn such a system on and then remain available once the system uh, then says hey uh you know uh, i'm not i'm not having trouble doing this take over the availability to take over but but an explicit um, um uh permission uh, to allow you to, you know, what we all want to do, I think, is text. Where's my phone? <laughs> Instead of in certain times, this is a and, and there's they're I guess struggling to put that out. It's a very detailed uh, uh, compilation. It sort of fits in with with what Mark is is talking about. But you know, these are these are even in just that simple lane keeping don't and don't hit the thing in front of you and do it only in places where you don't have bicyclists and pedestrians trying to get the whole darn thing started and as i also like to say we're still at the at um, zero degrees kelvin or maybe we're at epsilon degrees kelvin we're not at zero we're just at ddd but uh, you know we're we're at the very beginning of this. There's been a lot of talk. There's been a lot of of, uh, of um, publicity. There are some things out there in some vehicles uh, that some people Elon who who's that Elon <laughs> likes to likes to tout and so on. So it's gotten a lot of press. But uh, we're still at the very beginning. Any thoughts about it, Mark? Yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 good that they're they're thinking about this this seriously. I mean, I still think there's there's a lot of questions about that. What happens when it tells you to take take back control, to the handoff? Um, even you know, I think. But if, if you if you keep it only on like a limited access highway where you don't have the other kind of vulnerable road users that you do have on on surface streets. That can mitigate some of that that risk, but um, you know some of the, the the simulator tests that came out of how long is it going to take to get someone back on task and stabilize steering uh, after handoff? It doesn't look great um, if there is a, a hazard immediately, you know, ahead of you. Yeah, certainly at speed. I you know for years I've said you know if all of a sudden this thing tells me to go out and, and grab the wheel, what am I going to do? I'm going to turn the spinning uh, the wheel and I'm going to flip the car and I'm going to die. You know, yeah. I mean, it because I'm going to overreact. I, I mean, I, you know, I overreact to everything. I guess uh, that's that's a common fault. But it, it's it it's sitting there and it's a re really tough thing. So certainly, speed is the killer here. Uh, the the attempt here, I think, is to get the regulation so you can do it at, at low speeds. Low speeds, you have the opportunity of time, and the, and the dynamics aren't aren't 
aren't as bad. And of course, uh, to me, all these systems, uh, I like to say, you know, I, I run and when I run on the roadway, I'm always looking at the traffic coming at me and I'm making sure I have a bailout uh, route in case they're coming at me all the time. I mean, these systems have to be designed that way that they always have a bailout. Uh, they, they have the opportunity to, to move over to the shoulder or something, or at least the opportunity to stop in time and back up traffic too bad. And, you know, I mean, at least things don't go boom, but the idea has to be that don't go boom. Okay, they don't go boom. Uh, that's where you get the, to me, the real value and in, in, in safety and, and, and everything else. And, and maybe we can get there, right? but yeah, we all want to do this. I think. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Alan, mo moving on through the, through the newsletter, I think uh, California's governor, Gavin Newsom created a little bit of a, a boom, as you would say, <laughs> he signing, created a boom. <laughs> signing an executive order to, phase out the sale of new gasoline cars or really ban them by 2035. So Mark, you know, I, I guess that I am so out of it. I didn't even see it coming. I didn't even know it was, you know, anybody was really uh, even, you know, uh, so what, Mark, did you see that coming or, I, I, or maybe you, you guys are all whatever, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I didn't see it coming and, you know, and looking at it a little bit, it doesn't seem to, it's unclear what authority they have to, to do that in the first place, but if California has done a lot on its own in the past. When it comes yeah, to and, and, and much of it they got somewhat, but, but yeah, which they a lot of the a lot of the stuff they've done has been under a, a has been under a a waiver from the yeah. EPA, which is yeah. allow them to have more stringent tailpipe standards. I mean, this yeah. is talking about banning the sale <laughs> of. I mean, that's a whole of new. I mean, oh man, I'm gonna buy up every '55 Chevy I can find. And then go out there and well, sell those suckers. Well, and, yeah, you set up. Although I'm not going to live till 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 thirty. That dealership, um, <laughs> that dealership in Nevada on the other side of the border, uh, or open up the dealership. Oh yeah, and may, <laughs> yeah, and, and buy a home there. And the hell with you guys. <laughs> and I don't know what are they going to do. Check your license plate. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I, I guess it's out there for us to discuss. It's out there for us. Uh, what what seems what seems to although be happening with the electric vehicle though is uh, to, uh, my view on it in the past has been we 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 haven't made any advances in batteries even though you know Apple spent how much money trying to make advances in battery because what's what's the technological limitation of these things it's the battery okay when you get right down to it that's why it weighs so much that's why we, whatever and 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 but we may be on the verge of of really getting batteries with enough density with enough you know cycles in them with a with a cost that 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 is you know certainly not moore's law but but improving, and if it does, you know, electric vehicles might end up being, you know, the vehicle of choice. 
Well, Elon did have his uh, battery day this week talking about new technology and promised a, a $25,000 Tesla in three years. Yeah, well, he has, has he hit the $35,000 <laughs> Tesla that I put? He's a couple thousand off, I think. That I put my $1,000 down on. I don't know how many years ago that I had to have one. I still don't have one, whatever. They still have my 1000 I don't know. I mean, at some point, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. With, with Elon, you got to take a few things with a grain of salt. Maybe with the governor of California, you have to take a th things with a few grains of salt. That's fine. The, the concept is interesting. The marketplace may end up doing it or doing it in the large part. It may just end up, you know, no transmission, no whatever. The thing goes on you back on your seat da, da, da. if you have the range if you don't have the range anxiety and I, th I think the model the new model s he talked about what is it 500 mile range yeah whatever so you get you know 150 okay you know you got a discount <laughs> <laughs> or my risk aversion brain discounts everything okay <laughs> well one other thing with tesla this week uh, they had a complete network outage that, that really made some headlines knocking out connectivity features. I guess a lot of people might take a step back and say, yeah, uh -oh. so did Google. So <laughs> yeah, did Google, sure. Google went down and so on. So, you know, uh, it's amazing that we haven't had more of these things. I mean, how much bandwidth are we using out there to, to, to do this on Zoom, to not be able to get together and, and, and to do all this schooling and education and whatever? I mean, I don't know where in the hell's that all. At some point, you know, one of those, some wire has scopes, and, you know, and I, I don't know. It doesn't look like it's terrorism, okay? I mean, I, at least the Russians haven't told me that yet, so I don't know. Mark? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think, that, but, you know, we've heard a lot in, in recent years about some more government-directed connectivity, uh, DSRC, and I think the solution is, is they can just mandate that it never goes down. That's the, that's the solution. You have the... <laughs> I'd like that at my house. I'd like it sure, mandated at my You know, anybody who can ever do a, a never and always uh, for me, I, I'm all for, okay? I've never been able to do a never and I've never been able to do an always. And yeah, sure, talk to me here, yeah. And what happened now, I guess I can't say what happens when they don't, but I guess. But if we were, but I mean, it does raise, you know, interesting questions. What if we have, I mean, if we're in the future, we're in a world where we have safety critical systems that rely on on constant connectivity i mean presumably they would build in some kind of fail safe in the event of, of this happens but um if we you know that's what i thought of when i when i heard this it's like if we put too many eggs in the connectivity basket i mean this we're kind of setting ourselves oh, up yeah um, of course we are i mean that's, that's why that's i've when, never that's been when a solar flare comes along and says ha 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah I, you know that's that's why i've never i've never been a fan of the whole connectivity thing i mean i i want to be able to do it by myself. To me, this was the elegance of the of the DARPA challenge. We finally started this. It was at least came to realization. My goodness, we have an opportunity to put enough intelligence in each each of these vehicles so that they can do it themselves. 
and at least, you know, at least do it themselves. And, and um, I, hey, that's the way I've lived my life. I've, I guess I, that's how risk averse I am. I've always wanted to, hey, if I have to walk, uh, you know, my legs better be strong enough. I'm going to walk it. The hell with it, you know. And 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 I and to say, oh no, I've got to, I've got to have the, all this support, all this other stuff around me, whatever, to whatever. Otherwise, I shrivel up and die. It's a hell of a position to put us all into. Okay. Well, a couple, a couple more headlines to get to from the newsletter, Alan. Uh, the U.S. Labor Department this week announced a proposal that could put gig workers, including those Uber and Lyft drivers, in the category of contractors rather than employees. Uh, I don't think it has a force of law, though, and it really goes against the moves in California. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is a very difficult issue with respect to with respect to gig workers and so on or independence i i think it's you know it's been it's been marvelous i i, I tell my students uh, that that and said you know what the, the app store was really to me the, the really first good environment to support a gig worker it, it allowed uh, you know, some of my students to sit in their parents basements and write code and and have you know somebody else take care of the marketing the, the, the sales the distribution to do the, 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 all the other things you have to do to actually run a business man i'm just good at writing code and i can do it 2 a.m 4 a.m da, 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 da. and i always thought apple did a damn good job they only took 30 percent. i mean you know you look at, at trying to put something in some shelf in some store which i tried to do at one point in my life holy hell what you have to pay to do that so i thought they they supported the gig workers in some sense you know uber and lyft gave, gave employment to a lot of people who otherwise and uh, made their life better as as workers so somehow that has to be done but also those folks were also taken advantage of okay when you actually looked at the bottom line how much did they earn <laughs> man it was embarrassing it uh, you know it might be you know they're they were almost enslaved um and so you know that's and that's a typical labor thing you know the management takes a takes advantage of labor labor comes back and swings the pendulum says we're we'll organized and you have to give us that and, uh, you know it's it's tough mark um from the yeah, reason foundation you guys must yeah. you know the, i mean this uh, this involves labor and labor organization and independence and all those things i you know are kind of fundamentals it's a tough question well i mean i think shoehorning every every you know uber i mean this was the the california law i mean they they covered a bunch of people and they keep on giving out you know exemptions like, like yeah. candy um but the it was aimed at at you know uber and lyft yeah. drivers but uh, you know a lot of those drivers they have no intention of it being their their full-time yeah. job they want to yeah. pick up a few hours here and there at the peak periods yeah. um and they don't want benefits their full-time job already ha gives them benefits they want cash so i think you know shoehorning people into you know this i mean i'm sure there are there, there's there's got to be a better way to do it than what than what california did that still gives people uh, the flexibility where, uh, when you can also still have some some protections that that, that folks want. Well, one of the, one of the fundamental problems with public transit is that public transit uh, has peaks morning and evening, and you'd like and that's where you when you need the workers, but people don't want to work necessarily or not enough want to work work morning and evenings, 
according to that schedule. They like to work eight hours or whatever it is. So therefore, my goodness, you got to keep them around in the valley. And I, that's expensive business. And so they've organized and they have their unions and they fight for it. And of course, that's where they're at. But guess what? The, you know, it makes the economics of that whole operation not as good as it could be simply because because of the productivity over the over the time span. So here comes Uber and Lyft and they find the people who want to work in that. That's beautiful. Um, does it scale beyond 1% of the trips? I've argued it doesn't scale because at some point you don't have enough people who want to do just that piece. So that's why I argue, uh, you know, all that additional stuff to do the next percent, the next percent and the next 10% and the next 20%, do it with a, with a gizmo, with a machine, doesn't care when it works. Okay. And and provide the mobility and and everybody's some, somewhat happy, but you know that's it's it's it's, it's tough concept either way. And and the labor department jumped in. Um, yeah, we're going to be discussing this for a while. Discussing Nicola for a while too now. <laughs> <laughs> the founder stepping down as executive chairman amid the fraud charges pretty fast fall. And you wonder aloud in the newsletter, Alan, if the GM deal is going to happen. Yeah, I, I mean, there must be, there must, and any deal, you know, you, I mean, if you're any kind of lawyer, you put it in there, if, you know, if the market shifts or something or whatever, you can get out, okay? This is a market shift on this thing. Uh, you know, and the surprising thing is, is that uh, basically the person that I think sold GM on a, was a former GM executive who's on the board of Nicola, who's now its CEO. And, you know, he didn't know, it, or was it really? It's it's really unfortunate. I mean, it's tough enough in this business if we don't lie, cheat, and steal. Oh my goodness, if we're lying, cheating, and stealing when we're trying to do this, I mean, you know, the hell with it, okay? I mean, seriously. And I'm going to throw an, an allegedly ugly. in this there for ugly. you, too. Huh? Pardon I'm me? Gonna I'm going to throw an allegedly in there yeah, for you. Please do, please do. I don't get myself in all kinds of trouble. But, <laughs> but seriously, I mean, there, there's, if we can't be honest about this, if we can't be totally forthright, Let's do something else. GM has another headline. They've revealed some new details on their Ultium battery platform for electric vehicles. We were talking about batteries before yeah. and the need, and I guess they're, they're putting a lot of yeah, they're, they're work putting, into this too. They're, as they're putting work, yeah, they're putting work into it. I think, uh, you know, um, I guess Tesla, <laughs> Tesla and Wall Street sort of, kind of uh, certainly is 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 up the ante on all this. So uh, out of that, maybe something will come out. Although people have been working on trying to improve batteries since since 1837, if not before. Okay, you know the concept of a battery. I mean, it's almost perpetual motion. Now you put energy in, you take it out, you put energy in, and, you know, it goes by itself. Uh, yeah, and there are losses, unfortunately, in the process that end up killing you. Bam, and, and, but if you can make that darn thing efficient, man, I mean, you know, some very fundamental aspects 
come to play and it, and told my students recently if you if you take us back to 1905 or something like that um, you know you didn't know which propulsion system was going to win was it going to be steam steam had been so successful in locomotives of mine and, and ships and uh, and and uh, mobile energy and so on you know or was it going to be electricity with electric motors and whatever or is it going to be autos and internal combustion engine you know those those three were neck and neck basically in 1905 ish uh, two of them fell by the wayside and one of them when it's it's kind of interesting the you know you'd say well hey steam's going to go you know the pressure thing is going to get you because the weight is going to get you uh, well you i think there, were, there the, weren't there advocates for electric vehicles back then almost oh yeah no oh well, absolutely <laughs> yeah. the electric motor i actually you know probably if we were sitting in 1905 and we we're chatting here we'd probably all three of us would say yeah, electric electric electricity is going to win electric uh, 1905 you know electricity was on that you had you had Westinghouse and 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 um, Edison you know and 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 uh, Tesla and all these guys out there pushing electricity electricity we electrified the, the uh the street cars the trolleys the, the trolleys I mean yeah. they did that in 1888 90 whatever you know whatever yeah, I so. mean stuff was being built people were buying it it was successful in the marketplace I mean they were doing podcasts on Zoom at the time on it. <laughs> and, then, and then the oil lobby got involved. <laughs> and, then, and then who knows? I mean, it's it's kind of surprising that, in fact, the internal combustion engine made it because of all the parts and the stuff that you had to do with it. And, and the torque curve isn't really all that great. And what... <laughs> And it could come back, you know. I mean, you know, folks are working on trying to make that, you know, much more efficient, much more lighter, lighter weight, fewer parts, cheaper, da da da. Um, so, uh, but well, man, electricity <laughs> is. Uh, I, 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 th it's, it's almost a turn. You know, sales are what they're still in the s single digits, if even above five, I don't think, or maybe eight max in California or something like that. So, um, but they are off the ground and um, and seem to have a lot of uh, some amount of momentum. The rated the second derivative and third derivative of that sucker is uh, they're pretty big. Well, it's the, just all the, the car makers are, are all the car makers are sure getting on board here. It seems. It, it seems like it. Finally, in what you call the Sunday supplement section of the newsletter, <laughs> what I put in there <laughs> is the headline from Car Buzz: Mercedes-Benz winning the race to level three autonomy. Yeah, no, that's that's just that's the talk of it. That's the talk of it. The problem is they call it level three. What they what we talked about earlier. I guess it is level three, but it's not the concept of level three that had been put out there. The the the, the public anybody who thinks about it says. I'm going to go out and buy a car in a dealer, you know, I'll drive it through my neighborhood, get on I-95 and I'll hit that sucker and I'll go, you know, put it at nine over the speed limit and bam, you know, I can, and, you know, I mean, you know, 
But the headline is, you're, you're right, Alan, it's a great illustration of why we need something other than SAE levels uh, to talk about uh, automation. Yeah, we really, it gets back to our, we really do, Mark, and I don't know, I don't think we have to continue to work on it. I, it. It was nice that they put it together. It's good for the engineers or whatever. I don't think it's it reflects the business cases, and I don't think it re, reflects the value is, cases and the value propositions that are offered by the, by the technology. And maybe it talks about the challenges but not the value and and in the end if it's if it's going to be something that that's other than going up on a shelf uh, as a report that it has to be consumed by individuals uh, it has to do, it's going to have to deliver value i mean it, it, uh, otherwise the government has to buy it for me will the government buy it for me mark <laughs> well i i get i guess they would say you guys just aren't level-headed so. uh yeah well that's true i mean uh it wouldn't be the first person to say that uh, about me hey mark anyway. we, we really appreciate you taking the time with us today great we really insights. do oh it's great being on thank you for having me it was a yeah. blast uh, thanks, Mark. Uh, we'll do it again. Okay, uh, and and thank you for for your for your report and and keep up the good work, huh? And the the website once again is reason.org. It focuses on libertarian principles and a range of areas. Thanks to our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF. The ticker symbol for the ETF is MOTO, and more information is available at MOTOETF.com. You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com, also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts from. And you can get your smart speaker to play us too. You can find my tech reports at textonation.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for taking the time to listen or watch, and please stay safe.